Okay, good evening, everybody. I appreciate the patience. Just get everything a little bit behind this evening. So we're actually going to be doing last week. Well, last week we actually did two lessons. We did lessons uh, lessons four and five. We're actually doing lessons six and seven tonight. They're both uh, fairly short, um, so we'll just be doing both of them as well. And if you can kind of just in, go back for a minute, review a little bit, because we're kind of in section two in the book. First one, of course, talked about brainwashed Christianity, and then this, this part two here is called Who Left the Brain Door Open? And basically, it's... Um, uh, I'll just read a little excerpt here from kind of the introduction, if you can recall back to it. As in part one, we discussed the importance of opening our minds to truth so that change in our minds can occur. And in this section that we're in, we did the first lesson last week. Now we must discover the importance of being closed-minded to certain things. So that's um, where we are. And we're picking up here in um, chapter 6. Chapter 6 is the careless mind. Chapter 5 was the complacent mind. So we're on the careless mind, chapter 6 here. Says the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard told the following parable, which illustrates what happens when we become careless. One day, a duck was flying with his mates in the springtime northward across Europe. During the flight, he came down in a Danish barnyard where there were tame ducks. He enjoyed some of their corn, and he stayed for an hour, then for a day. And for a week, then for a month, and finally, because he relished the good fare and the safety of the barnyard, he stayed all summer. But one autumn day, when the flock of wild ducks were winging their way southward again, they passed over the barnyard, and their mate heard their cries. He was stirred with a strange thrill of joy and delight. With a great flapping of wings, he rose in the air to join his old comrades in their flight. But he found that his good fare had made him so soft and heavy that he could rise no farther than the eaves of the barn. So he dropped back again to the barnyard and said to himself, Oh well, my, my life here is safe and the food is good. Every spring and summer when he heard the wild ducks honking, his eyes would gleam for a moment and he'd begin to flap his wings. But finally the day came when the wild ducks flew over him and under their cry, but he paid not the slightest attention to them. Because our minds are capable of receiving and processing and then storing tons of information daily, a careless attitude toward our thoughts is devastating. Here in 1 Timothy, Paul is challenging the life of young Timothy and says in chapter 4, verse 15, meditate upon these things. Think about to the Philippians. No, Paul said, think on these things. What things? And he continues in uh, Philippians 4, 8-9, with those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me, continues it, and do. The challenge is to discipline our thoughts in the right direction so that we can live the right result. I thought on my ways and turned my feet under thy testimonies. That's Psalm 119, 59. So how do we counteract a careless mind? So that brings us to point one change it up a little bit with how we did it here, but it's a something of truth. And these all start with a C. Main points here. Starts with a C. Think 
gardening. Cultivating. Cultivating, yep. Oh, cultivation, a cultivation of truth. 1 Timothy 4.14 is, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Paul had gone to a lot of trouble to mentor Timothy in the truth of God's word. The responsibility was now Timothy's. He could neglect what had been sown in his heart and let the thorns of life choke the word, or he could cultivate the soil of his heart so that the truth could grow and mature to a wonderful harvest. There was not a more boring job on the farm than cultivating corn. I enjoyed driving tractors from the time I was a little boy. They were less complicated and easier to drive in those days. It says, like all boys, I love going fast. To get out on the road and do 15 or 20 miles an hour on a tractor is pretty exhilarating for a little, for a little kid. Cultivating corn, however, was just the opposite. Slow and boring. When the corn was just coming up out of the ground, you had to slowly move through those rows with a cultivator lest you throw dirt on the tiny plants and crush them. But while cultivating corn was tedious, it was extremely important. If weeds were allowed to take over, there would be no crop in October. Each week, your pastor, Sunday school teacher, and perhaps others prepare and then sow truth in your heart through preaching and teaching. Each day as you read the Bible personally, the Holy Spirit guides you into the truth of God's Word. But what are you doing with that seed? There are 168 hours in every week. Let's see, if you spend three hours in church and another seven hours reading your Bible, which an hour a day would be extreme for most people, that means you are receiving truth 10 hours each week. That means the devil has 158 hours to sow weeds. I think we better do some cultivating or the truth is going to die. The prophets of the Old Testament understood the need to cultivate the heart. Jeremiah cried, break up your fallow ground. That's Jeremiah 4, 3. Hosea preached, sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. It's Hosea 10, 12. It is our responsibility to keep our hearts as good ground, where the truth can flourish and produce God-honoring results. Don't just check off your Bible reading each day, and do church on Sundays. The Apostle Peter had invested his life in the ministry of helping others follow Christ. And then notice his parting words, and I think this might be, is Second uh, Peter 3, 14 to 18 on your sheet there? It's a longer passage, it might not be. Yes. It is? Okay. Maybe you just want to start, Pastor, if you don't mind. Sure. Read that. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things... Be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some of them are understood, which they are not unlearned and unstayed with the rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also be being led away with error of the wicked, for the error of the wicked fall from their own steadfastness. 
of growing grace, and with the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Growth does not come without cultivation of truth. Here's a little a sidebar in here. Um, it's a good uh, got dad jokes, probably got preacher jokes. It's a good one. It says, the sermon that pricks the conscience has good points. It's true. So then the sub-points kind of under here again is a something for cultivation. It starts with a C. It's a longer word. Think of what's the whole point of what we're doing. It's a something for cultivation. It's a challenge. A challenge for cultivation. And then the next one is a short four-letter word. Also starts with a C. Not care. Call. A call for cultivation. So that brings us to point two. Not only do we have a cultivation of truth, now we have a something of truth. Also starts with a C, longer word as well. We didn't, well, actually, the verse has been said, 1 Timothy 4.15. That word, that, that would help you get this. This is definitely something that, uh, yep, got it. A contemplation of truth. Contemplation of truth. Meditate upon these things, 1 Timothy 4.15. Meditation is a lost art. We have too much to do to think. Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason so few people engage in it. The little prefix, I think, is probably the most over-exaggerated expression in the English language. Amazingly, we spend time thinking about wrong things, but rarely contemplate truth. Psalm 4.4 is, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Growing up on a farm, I learned early in life about the digestive process of cows. A cow can eat an enormous amount of food very quickly. I would get up every morning before daylight and go out and chop an entire wagon full of alfalfa for them to eat, only to come home from school and have them do it again. In the winter, I would feed each cow a wheelbarrow, um, feed each cow a wheelbarrow full of fodder twice a day, which they would devour in about five minutes. After eating, however, the cow goes through an unusual process. Their food goes down into the first of four stomachs, and then it is ruminated a little at a time. Contentedly, the cow chews the cud for hours as the food is chewed between stomachs. While that process in cows is not the most pleasant to ponder, it is the same process that God wants us to have with his word. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That's Joshua 1.8. Have you chewed on any truth lately? If we're going to chew on truth all day, it makes sense to get that truth into our lives early in the day. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Psalm 63.1. 
Reading and memorizing God's Word early in the day will allow you to think on it throughout the day. Um, this is all court mentions here. By the way, or the earlier a child comes to Christ and is taught to read his Bible, the better. Those early truths ingrained upon their minds will come back in times of decision and difficulty. There are many things in life that when we think about them bring distress, discouragement, and disaster. A meditation on God's Word will do just the opposite. But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth He meditate day and night, Psalm 1-2. God's Word will direct your thoughts toward the Lord, and my meditation of Him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. That's Psalm 104-34. A couple sidebars in the thing here is most folks have presence of mind. The trouble is absence of thought by uh, Howard Newton. Don't just take notes. Study them. Probably specifically thinking of church. There will be a test. So the subpoints in here, first one is something, the word of God. Starts with an A. Not a door. So if we're meditating on them, we'll be more likely to, one, two, three, four, five, five letters, five letters, A-P, apply, no, apply. And the next one has to do with what we were just talking about, more of a, first an A as well, think time. Everybody does this at some point during your day. Sometimes, sometimes multiple times. Awake. <laughs> Awake to the Word of God. So that brings us to the last point, point three. We have a cultivation of truth, a contemplation of truth, and now a... Um, First verses, 1 Timothy 4.15, Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. That, maybe that'll give you a hint for the C word here. Think of the cow again. <coughs> Consumption with truth. D.L. Moody said, I never saw a useful Christian who is not a student of the Bible. Jeremiah was obviously consumed with God's word. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. That's Jeremiah fifteen sixteen. The psalmist likewise expresses his joy in God's word. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. That's Psalm 119, 47, verse 72. says, The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Verse 97 is, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And verse 140 is, Thy word is very pure. Therefore thy servant loveth it. Charles Spurgeon once said, You should spend so much time in the Bible that your language becomes bibline. I don't think bibline is a word, but I believe I know what it means. It wouldn't hurt for a, a thee and a thou to slip out once in a while. It would be better than what often slips out. Now, Isaac Walton said of his Bible, Every hour I read you, 
kills a sin or lets a virtue in to fight against it. It's interesting. Every hour I read you kills a sin or lets a virtue in to fight against it. Don't let your mind become a complacent mind or a careless mind. Fill it with the truth. Because if you don't, you'll be dealing with a big problem. And then keep reading to find out just how big. This is kind of the next lesson here. Um, so the question's quickly, and then we'll move on. Philippians 4.8 tells us to think on what things? We can sing it, but... <laughs> Reading and memorizing God's word early in the day will allow you to think on it throughout the day. And this is list two scriptures that talk about that, some uh, ones we looked at there. But let me, let me find it. Psalm 63.1 would be that, would be a good one. And Joshua 1.8 would be another one. D.L. Moody said, I never saw a useful Christian who is not a student of the Bible. Do you consider yourself a student? of the Bible, and explain your answer. You are to discipline your thoughts, number four, in the right directions so that you can live the right way. Psalm 119.59 says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Think on your ways and determine whether you need to turn back to God's word and what changes do you need to make. And question five was, the prophets of the Old Testament understood the need to cultivate the heart. And then that Write out their exhortations in Jeremiah 4.3 and then Hosea 10.12, that passage about breaking up your fallow ground. So the sub-points here under this one was a something thought, sort of the C. It's a captivating thought. The next one, if you think of the main point, you'll get this one. A something truth. Consuming, yep. A consuming truth. Switching gears now to Lesson 7 is on a, the contaminated mind. So we've seen the complacent mind, the, com the careless mind, and now the contaminated mind. Paul now warns Timothy, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue, and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in so doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 1 Timothy 4.16 a complacent mind and a careless mind will lead to a contaminated mind. Therefore, take heed. Keep the brain door closed to the wrong influences. So then on to the main point here. This starts with a V. A closed brain door will keep your something clean. And it starts with a V. Not voice. As soon as you get it, you'll see, you'll like, man, now it's easy. Voice. Not voice. We want these to be clean. You want those clean? No. V. Oh, sorry. A V is in voice. That kind of thing. Sorry. A V is in violin. 
keep your vessel clean. Closed brain door will keep your vessel clean. Take heed unto thyself. God commands us to take the water of life to this world. That, however, needs to flow through a clean conduit. Unfortunately, you can't separate the message from the messenger all the time. The right content and the right conduit are equally important. Have you ever drunk water out of a garden hose? Because I remember vividly the first time I did so. What a horrible taste and smell. Now, there's nothing wrong with the water, unless you live out here, but <laughs> you could go over to that outside faucet and fill a glass with water and not think anything of it. But there's something that changes drastically when that water flows through that old garden hose. There's nothing wrong with the truth that God's given to us. The water of life is exactly what every person in this world needs. The problem is God has chosen that it flow through us. That's going to require a clean conduit. 2 Timothy 2, 19-21 says, Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. My family and I have enjoyed owning a few dogs over the years. While we've always tried to take good care of them and provide good food and fresh water, I've, I was never once tempted to eat or drink out of the dog's dish. Oh, it was a nice one. Two compartments, sky blue in color. Probably paid all of $2.95 for it at Walmart. But no matter how thirsty I was, never one time did I ever get down on my hands and knees and start drinking. I'm sure you understand. While the dog's dish is a vessel, it's a dishonorable one, and no one in his right mind would take in even clean water from such a source. No one wants truth coming from an air-filled life either. Keeping our thoughts right will keep our vessel clean. There's actually a, uh, this is a song, I believe, but it's a, a poem. It's called Thy Word, Edwin Hodder, apparently. Thy word is like a garden, Lord, with flowers bright and fair. And everyone who seeks may pluck a lovely cluster there. Thy word is like a deep, deep mine, and jewels rich and rare are hidden in its mighty depths for every searcher there. Thy word is like a starry host, a thousand rays of light are seen to guide the traveler and make his pathway bright. Thy word is like an armory where soldiers may repair and find for life's long battle day. All needful weapons there. Oh, may I love thy precious word. May I explore the mine. May I its fragrant, fl fragrant flowers glean. May light upon me shine. Oh, may I find my armor there. The so thy word, my trusty sword. I'll learn to fight with every foe. The battle of the Lord. So subpoints in here, there's actually two blanks. Is first one starts with an R, second one starts with a C. These are the first letter. First one is four letters. Roll. Roll. R O L E. Nope, it's close. Three of those letters are correct. <laughs> the second one is the incorrect one. Rule is the first one. 
the rule of a clear, this is not conscience. This is kind of a, might not get this one. The rule of a clear caution. And then second one, it also starts the same thing, R and a C. Think of the garden, think of the garden hose. Not release. First one is requirement. The requirement of a clean conduit. Yep. Requirement of a clean conduit. Think garden hose and dog dish. So point two, point number one we see is a closed brain door will keep your vessel clean. And then the second point here is a closed brain door will keep your, also starts the V, centered. This is kind of an interesting one. It's not view. I'll just put it up here. It's values. Kind of a uh, interesting one. A closed brain door will keep your values centered. Take heed unto the doctrine, 1 Timothy 4.16. Interestingly, Paul first addresses the conduit, but now stresses the content. It's not only sin that can ruin our thinking, but also the false teachings that constantly swirl around us. By keeping your mind in the Word of God, you will be able to ferret out those things that are contrary to truth. Solomon put it succinctly in the proverb, The thoughts of the righteous are right. But the counsels of the wicked are deceit. That's Proverbs 12.5. You won't fall into the counsels of deceit if your thoughts are right. Now be careful because the Bible teaches us that our own hearts are deceitful. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's Jeremiah 17.9. Because we can't trust ourselves to think right, we must saturate ourselves with the truth that God has given us. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's Hebrews 5.14. That's why God gave it to us. Second Peter 1.4 is, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partaker of the divine nature, partakers, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When God's word is valuable, your values will be right. Notice how these two concepts were interwoven in the psalmist's life. And is Psalm 119, 97 to 106 on your sheet? It is. Okay. We, uh, I don't remember where we stopped. But was it you, Andy? Oh, we'll start. If you wouldn't mind starting there, Pastor. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than my enemies, and they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I have refrained my feet from evil, from every evil way, that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts, I get understanding, therefore I hate every false 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I perform it. That will I keep thy righteous judgments. So then the subpoints under that one, the content starts with a D. Doctrine, yep. The content of doctrine. Because there is the second one, the concern of also starts with a D. Close. Deception, yep. The concern of deception. So we saw point one a closed brain door will keep your vessel clean. A closed brain door will keep your values centered. And now third, a closed brain door will keep your... Also start clear. It actually has been said already. It's not vision. It was a guess from a previous one. Not view. Everybody's doing it right now. Voice. It's voice. Closed brain door will keep your voice clear. For in so doing, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. First Timothy four sixteen. When you're thinking purely, you never have to worry about speaking dirty. The old computer saying garbage in, garbage out is also true of the mind. Matthew 12, 33 to 35 is either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So again, Jesus speaking there. It was said of Jesus, never man spake like this man. John seven forty six. Why was this said? Because in him is no sin, of course, 1 John 3, 5. All of us have said things that we regret. Perhaps in frustration you've said, why did I say that? But way before we stop our tongues, we must stop our thoughts. It works the other way, too. When we are thinking right, the right words will come when we need them. Have you ever been witnessing to someone and later were amazed that you thought of certain verses to use? God allowed you to speak what you had stored. Keep the brain door closed so as to prevent a complacent mind, a careless mind, and a contaminated mind. In the early verses of 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is very specific about why it is so important to keep a closed mind, which is the next lesson. With 10,000 thoughts going through our brainwaves a day, it's awfully easy for the wrong things to slip in. And then let's look at some, let's look at some of those specific reasons for, and then that's to have a closed mind. That's lesson 8. So subpoints in this one starts with an M, a pure mind. Yep. Pure mind. And then that produces a pleased master. A pleased master. Yes.
So some questions here to close it out. First one is, what are the three main benefits or the three benefits of having a closed brain door? Your voice. God has chosen that his word should flow through you, and he requires that it flow through a clean conduit. What steps can you take in your life to make yourself a clean conduit for God's truth? So what's some... Uh, yep. Anything else? Cultivating. Cultivating truth. Anything else or thoughts? Watching for the weeds. So according to Jeremiah 17, 9, can we trust the thoughts in our hearts? <laughs> when God's word is valuable to you, your values will be right. It says, refer to Psalm 119, 97, 106, which is that uh, passage that's on your sheet there that we read, and explain how this concept directed the psalmist's life. It's that passage there, that uh, longer passage that we read. It's interesting. I have more understanding than all my teachers. Then he has, I understand more than the ancients because I keep their precepts. It's kind of interesting. You know, some people blast the past. Some people worship the past. Um, but it's interesting. I understand more than the ancients because I keep their precepts. Interesting. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. Then through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And then that leads right into, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All of us have said things that we regret. Perhaps in frustration you've said, why did I say that? But way before we stop our tongue, we must stop our thoughts. And then write out Matthew 12, 33 to 35 to help you think before you speak, and that's those verses that Jesus mentioned there, talking to the Pharisees, making the tree good and the fruit good, or make it corrupt and the fruit corrupt, because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So that was lessons six and seven. Any thoughts, anybody, on this tonight, or... Anything to, in particular that stood out to you, maybe? Something kind of like, hmm, haven't thought about that before, or anything? Going to what was was said just there, that's that whole thing in Second Peter three. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, 
Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the, air, from, with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Yeah. Again, what Peter was talking about. You know these already, but just reiterating it again in there. And yet, the sermon that pricks the conscience has good points. Okay. Last call. Any other thoughts? Anybody? Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Close this out. Lord, I do thank you for um, this evening and just the opportunity to be able to continue just to kind of learn more about our minds and the power of thinking and just being in your word and um, the importance of cultivating the truth, contemplating on it, and of not having a careless mind because then that leads to a contaminated mind. And you, know, you have ordained that your truth flow through us and your word to, to others. But you, of course, the, um, the message is pure, but the content's pure, but then you expect the conduit to be clean too. And help us in our lives that you would um, just continue to work on our lives and use those sermons with good points to prick us of contaminants that we need to get rid of in our lives. And I ask that you would uh, just help us to continue to grow and that we don't, we don't just hear these things and um, they go in one ear and out the other and we just forget about them, Lord, but uh, us to apply them. And so help us as we go to, um, let's go to our homes tonight, keep us safe, and then bring us back on Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen.